Boom! All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back, ready for another episode. It's been a minute, but what about uh, the water you've been drinking? That's what today's episode is all about. If it's something that you're passionate about, like me who drinks a ton of water, then you're going to want to listen to this one. Let's get started. Here we go. Shut up and sit down. Look, a business can give you everything you want in life. Prestige, wealth, freedom. It can also take everything away from you. This show is for those who are willing to take that risk. These are the real life stories of entrepreneurs. But before we start, I have one small favor to ask. Please leave a comment. It can be advice, critiques, tips, feedback, or share this with someone because your engagement is the most valuable and most powerful form of social currency. So thank you. And welcome to another episode of Business Plus. Here we go. Today we have a visionary guest who's revolutionizing the water industry with innovative solutions for clean and abundant water everywhere. He's the CEO and chairman of Origin Clear, a true disruptor who has transitioned from the tech world to becoming a leader in the green space. So join us as we explore his journey from driving tech success to empowering local communities with compact on-site water systems. Let's welcome to the show, Mr. Riggs. Eckleberry. Riggs, welcome to the program. Thank you. I literally took a bite as that was going on. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, you gotta eat, man. You gotta make sure that blood sugar stays as as well as it does. Otherwise, you might end up like me losing your hair. Oh wait, it already happened. <laughs> All right, man, let's uh, let's jump into this. I want to know uh, right off the bat, there's so many different things going on around the world. We take for granted the fact that we have clean water coming out of our taps, clean water that we can drink. How did you get into this space to begin with? Tell me a little bit of a background, how you got here. Yeah, it's, it's a really weird story because I loved the whole dot-com. The 90s was, I mean, I started in high tech in the 80s, but really in the 90s, it shifted where computers were not just for computing, but for communicating, right? And I just fell in love with that. And um, so I had a career throughout the 90s and into the 2000s, you know, helping software companies in the high-tech space, and it was, it was a ball. But at some point, my, my, uh, my uh, false modesty caught up with me, and I decided I wanted to be a CEO. And that... Uh, People I was talking to said, yeah, you can be a CEO, but it's not going to be in tech. And at the time, they thought that algae was going to be the next biofuel. Mm. And so we started a company that originally was, was called Origin Oil because algae was the original oil. Just so you know, oil didn't come from dinosaurs. It came from vast amounts of algae that died and then became fossilized. So... Um, the idea is to recreate that process with fresh algae now. And we had a great run until the cost of crude crashed because of fracking. And all of a sudden, it was not, not much sense in having uh, algae biofuel if, if it was you know five times the price. So we then had to decide what we we're going to do with our life. And uh, fortunately, our technology was really good at taking algae out of water, but also sewage out of water. And that's what we flipped over to renamed the company Origin Clear. And then we got into the water industry. And whereas, you know, I mean, algae was great. I was on CNN. I was on Fox Business. I was on everything. Get into water, 
crickets, nothing, right? It turns out that people kind of take water for granted. That's the truth. Yeah, it's isn't it funny? I remember the algae phase. Uh, back then we had, I mean, and I talk about it today, how when I was uh, in high school, I got my license and I remember paying a dollar a gallon for gas, whereas uh, today it's it's just gone astronomically high. And I remember the algae thing right around the same time you started to hear things about putting a French fry oil in your car as well, like right. different modifications that were going on at that time. So yeah, it was definitely a thing. Um, and it's funny how business kind of moves in different directions where you have an intention of going into business in one thing. And then all of a sudden, markets change, demand changes, and you have to shift your business over to a new model. What was that transition like? I mean, I, I can imagine you you talking about how you're going to fuel the next vehicle. And then all of a sudden, you're like, no, you know, we're going to from this green to this green and we're going to we're going to have clean water now what was that transition like as a business owner to shift the vision of your company well am i allowed to have a true confession on this show absolutely all right because the 80s was very hard for me i launched a company in new york city with zero capital and it was one of the early outsourced um, it firms that since then, everybody's got them now, but it was very early back then. People were just transitioning out of paper into computers. And I, it was very hard and I, essentially a lost heart. I was like, you know what, this God, it's not gonna get anywhere. I gave the business to my best salesman. He eventually became a multimillionaire by simply continuing what I had started because what I didn't realize at the time was it's really hard to create and put, no, like to, to introduce somebody to computing in the first place. But once they're in, you have a multi-year relationship. I, he, my, my, my uh, good friend still has customers that we opened while I was there in the 80s. He still has customers now. Think about it, that's a 40-year uh, life cycle that he has, he's, he's been collecting fees the whole time. The point I'm making is I could have pursued, I could have persisted and I could have adapted. And instead I went, ah, yeah, hell with it. And, and so I had um, so many, many adventures, but that was a learning experience. So when it came to this algae thing, it was like, okay, let's just, let's just make our, our decision on the spot here. Let's, let's move on. And, you know, we could have stayed in algae and played around with algae supplements and this and that and the other thing, but we felt that the big opportunity was not there. So we just made the transition. Fortunately, we have very, very good investors and they supported us. And I, I'm so glad we did. So let's dive into your business itself. Uh, the water industry has been going undergoing significant changes. Um, some of the marketing in, in water has been amazing. I, one of the things I like to talk about is liquid death. Uh, the way they have dominated the water industry uh, literally by taking what we were already drinking and selling and sticking it on a cool looking can, it kind of it just redefined the way things are going. How did you identify your need for like local industry involvement in, in managing water supply problems? Okay, well, the first thing you got to realize is 90% of all water use is by industry and agriculture, right? Only 10% is consumer. So yeah, liquid death has got a great things going and it's a great margins and it's all good because there's a lot of bottles sold. But 
the big business, the really the trillion dollar industry is on the industrial side, right? Now you're saying, well, it's not glamorous, et cetera. Fine. But let me point out to you that the disasters happening in places like Flint, Michigan, Compton, California, Fort Lauderdale, uh, a dozen other communities all over America is just the beginning. Water quality is going downhill. The, the groundwater is being polluted by leakage and by just messy people just dumping. Um, and we think of ourselves as, as an advanced country, but we were. I mean, we built the Hoover Dam. We built that huge um, Delaware reservoir system for New York's water, which created the best water in the world. New York water was famous. Um, not so much anymore, but it, it, it was huge. So all those projects happened before 1950. Unfortunately, after that, people just kind of got on with their life, right? And so from 1960 onwards, you have a steadily rising graph of operations and maintenance. What does that mean? You're putting more and more people into trying to keep it going, and you're not making new stuff. You're not building new infrastructure. And you end up paying more and more money. It's like keeping your old Toyota going, even though the radiator is leaking. You, every 40 miles, you stop and you pour more water into the, into the radiator. Well, that's not that doesn't work long term. And that's what's happening in water, is that there's not enough money being put into it. And as a result, water quality is going downhill. We can talk about you know, what's, what's in your tap water right now. Um, and there's some great information in that area. But most importantly, we have to do something, and it's not going to be fixed by throwing billions of dollars at infrastructure. Nobody's doing it. And our solution is take all those industrial and agricultural customers, take them off the grid, unload the grid so that it serves the people, right? Uh, water is free in Ireland. Why is it not free in America? That's ridiculous. Well, it's not free because there's a lot of um, load from industry, which we can take off. And by the way, they love it. They love the idea because they can recycle. They can, they can uh, be safe from inflation. They get less regulatory issues. It actually is something that works for them. So that's what we're in the business of doing. So uh, helping New York get that clean water probably is the reason why their pizza is so delicious. Or so from what I hear, I've never actually had New York pizza other than the New York style pizza that's here in San Diego. Uh, but it definitely has a, has, a, has a piece for it. Okay, so water is big in the agricultural space. So I'm going to ask you a, a direct question. Who is Origin Clear targeting? What is the purpose of your company and who are we going after as a customer base? Right. So... There, so what I'm talking about is it's it's a trend called decentralization, right? Just like in energy, people are starting to generate energy in their own homes with solar panels. Similarly, businesses can now treat their own wastewater and not have to rely on the city. And that is called decentralization. Now, we're not the only player. We got, for example, PepsiCo just committed to doing 80% recycling of their water. Well, you can't recycle the water unless you treat it yourself. If you send it to the city, you didn't recycle it. So that means they're building their own systems. So there's big players, all the pharma players, um, chip manufacturers, uh, food and beverage like PepsiCo, um, energy players. They're all investing in their own water treatment. And that's the very high-end stuff. That's the billion-dollar deals. We're focused on uh, your local brewery or a, a housing development or a car dealership, or an RV campground, or a trailer park. These are, you know, between $500,000 and $2 million. 
which we have the technology to drop these cool modular systems, boop, drop them in, plug them in, off and running, and all they need is a janitor on site. They don't have to have a water expert. So all of a sudden, they're treating their own water, but they don't have to have giant resources to do so. That's us. So I feel like there's a, a giant learning curve that you have to overcome. Because when I think of water filtration, I think of massive plants that are put together, that bring in lots of water, that go through this whole process. There's no way in my mind, conceptually thinking, that you can do that for an RV park or that you can do that for a local local brewery. Like, what are the – talk to me a little bit about the technology. Why is it so uh, capable now today for us to be able to have that – in a small business like that and why would a small business want to invest in that kind of capital to do something like that very good question well as you know there's no such thing as an overnight success right correct well dan early our brilliant uh inventor and chief engineer started doing this stuff 20 years ago when nobody'd heard about decentralization and what he developed he, he invented these patents for these water systems in a box and it basically downscales those huge utility grade systems down to they can to a point where they can fit in the corner of the brewery, you know, 200 square feet, you're set. And he also set it up so that it was essentially self-operating with the remote controls, with very robust process. And so literally the local business does not have to have the water experts. Now, secondly, you brought up capital. Very good point. Who has a spare million dollars floating around for their water system, right? So the second part of what we do is this wonderful thing called water on demand where they can just sign a contract and they get the equipment without paying for it and they pay on the meter like they're accustomed to with the central utility. And that is water as a service. It's coming along fast. We're one of the players. Um, so combining our modular water technology with our water on demand, that's a marriage made in heaven and it works so that we have a steady stream of customers and if necessary, we help them with finance. Otherwise, you know, whatever works, we'll do it. But the important part is, is drag and drop. It comes in on a semi and they drop it on the pad, plug it in and it's off and running. So, uh, what the thing that popped into my mind is like a laundry mat, for example. They they pump water like crazy through these washing machines, uh, and it's already going through a system all in you know that comes in from the city, gets drained out, goes back out to the city, uh, and and so I'm thinking like you know leasehold improvements when it comes into kind of installing equipment like this into into the system, and I love the fact that it's pay as you go because. Uh, a lot of the solar companies do the same exact thing. You're literally taking into the meter and you're paying now only based on the usage that you're using or even like when you have net metering, sometimes you're just producing more energy than you're actually putting out. You get a nice little credit. Um, uh, so two parts for this question. One is, uh, is there a lot that goes into restructuring uh, leasehold improvements in places that might have large water water filtration systems already in place or water just in general. And the second part of that, uh, you know what, I said, first of all, I'll come back to the second part. Okay. First question then is we have a classic situation going on in North Texas right now where there's a huge land boom going on. They are just on fire. And the problem is it's, it's the um, sewage is not keeping up with the housing developments. And so now we've started installing these self-sufficient housing developments that treat their own, what we call black water. 
best to poop. It's called black water. And so they treat their own black water and they're self-sufficient. Now they still, typically they bring the water in from the city because it's easy. They can, they can drill their own well, but most of the time they just grab, they just take water in. But here's the good news. They can recycle, right? And so, you know, in a situation like a laundromat, think about being able to recycle that water. And in places like California, that's unbelievably, you know, I, and I, I was in LA until I escaped to here where I am in Clearwater, Florida. Um, and th there are residential users in Los Angeles that pay $14,000 a month for their lawn water, right? It's ridiculous because of the, the tears, right? And it gets worse and worse, as you know. And so wa recycling water means a lot. And that's a big reason why a business would want to do this. Let me ask you about the, uh, okay, so the, the second part of my question was going to be in the net metering type thing where it becomes actually a profitable event for you to install these types of systems in, in, in place. When it comes to solar, I know for me, sometimes my my solar bill or my, uh, my electric bill comes in and it's negative. I don't actually owe anything. They're giving me some money because of the amount of, of energy that my solar panels have put in. Uh, are you are you expecting a, a net metering type of activity to happen with the water system if you're using a recycling uh, system like yours? Well, that's a really interesting concept, and I think eventually it might happen. Look, California, for example, is in, in we had a great year with the atmospheric rivers, and as a skier, I loved it. But guess what? It it the water it's all the reservoirs are going to go right down again because we have a long term drought situation, and so anybody. Who is helping with the recycling? I think there could be there could be um, incentive programs, absolutely, for people to recycle. I think that um, it, it will require some support from Sacramento to make it happen. Um, but in the meantime, what's great is, whereas in solar, the the uh, energy companies tend to resist solar, and you know they don't like the net metering thing. You're very lucky to have it going on because many parts of the country it doesn't work at all, right? They don't they don't allow it. They don't allow net metering. Blah blah blah. They make you pay a base load, no matter even if you don't need it. Well, in water, the the utilities are delighted. Like, oh, please treat the water. Be my guest, right? So it's a much easier environment to implement. Um, but it's very early still to talk about rewarding people for doing things like recycling, which I think we need we need to do big time. You know that Israel recycles almost ninety percent of, of its water. U.S. one percent. Come on. We can do better than that. That's ridiculous. Yeah, well, they're also in the middle of a desert, so they need to have some sort of process to recycle the water that that. Well, they so California. Exactly, exactly. We need it, California for sure. The rest of the country, man. Western states are are nothing but desert, so we definitely. Yeah. But but let me say this. Um, do you know that the, going down the middle of the country, which um, is almost half of all produce. Um, farmed is in the middle of the country is something called the Ogallalo Aquifer. And you'd think it was unlimited, but you know what? It's down 150 feet already. It's, it's actually, we are using more water than there is in the groundwater. And you can't just fill an aquifer like you like with a pitcher. It has to seep in over years. If we completely drain the Ogallalo Aquifer, it will take 600 years to refill it, right? That's what's going on even in water plentiful areas of the country. So I think we need to be water aware. You know, here in Florida, it rains all the time. We still have water issues. Why? Because water gets polluted, because there's seawater intrusion, you know, for various reasons, I won't get into it. There's also a lot of 
uh, agricultural runoff into lakes that then creates all this algae that kills the fish, blah, blah, blah. We need to have better stewardship of our water. And so I think that we need to start thinking about recycling and best practices everywhere. Now, I remember um, when stuff like this was coming into popularity, people were upset because of the whole thought of toilet to tap. Uh, that, That concept of, well, you know, it's cool for the guy who's out in outer space that doesn't have any water, but I can literally go to somewhere else and have my water like com- completely clean. What what do you what do you say when people are like you know worried about the the toilet to tap water? Well, you know, it's not necessary to make drinkable water from your recycle, right? Um, we see it off of, you often see it on the side of the freeway. You know, this this uh, sprinkler is using uh, recycled water. You know, don't drink it. Don't drink that water. Why? They took water that was cleaned up enough to put back in the ground, but it's not potable. It's not drinkable. So that is the first step is to get widespread recycling. Uh, For example, a brewery can reuse 50% of its water without using it for beer, just using it for washdowns, for steam vessels, for all kinds of, um, you know, side, side issues. So, you know, it takes seven to eight liters of water to make one liter of beer. But if you can save four of those liters, then that's good, right? Then you start spending less water. And you haven't even talked about using the dirty water for beer. And I recognize the toilet to tap thing, by the way, whoever came up with that was brilliant. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they killed it. It destroyed the whole concept. I don't think that that you, that the central utilities, first of all, they're not suited for it. What the problem with the utilities, they don't have return lines. So yeah, they bring it in, they recycle, then what do they do? They're literally going to put it back back into the water supply. It's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem. Better let people do their own recycling. That's a better idea. Let me ask you about, uh, because, you know, we, we talked about how, you know, I'm in Southern California. There's definitely a desert, not a lot of water. And then again, yes, there is. This big old giant thing called the Pacific Ocean is right there. How does this equate to desalinization versus recycling? What's the difference in, in the misconception that we have there? Can can our systems do the same type of uh, clear, like a purification there? I don't know if you remember what happened in Huntington Beach, but for 10 years, they were building a desalination plant. The project got killed. Why? People didn't want the damn, excuse me, the darn plant around them. And, um, you know, it's noisy, but also what it puts out is this brine, this heavy brine, right? When you take the salt out of water, then the reject water is very briny and actually is an environmental issue. And so the whole project got killed. Well, you, if you were the developer of that desalination plant, you just took a hit. Mm-hmm. 10 years worth of development, and boom, it goes away. So until we have a better way of managing the process, I know that in San Juan Capistrano, there's a desal plant. It works well. But you know the cost of the water is, you know, the lowest price for Colorado River water is around $25 an acre foot. An acre foot is one foot deep, one acre in, in uh, dimension, and it's good for about a family of four for a year. That's an acre foot. The Colorado River water, cheapest price, about $25 an acre foot. San Juan Capistrano water, $1,350 an acre foot. It's expensive stuff, right? Now, San Diego needs it. They mix it into the rest. The average price is decent. But, you know, we're spending a lot for it. Now, the Israelis have gotten the price down to around seven or $800 an acre foot. 
and we could follow their lead on technology, but it's still expensive stuff. Why don't we save the water that's already there? That's a good start. That's definitely a better start. Yeah, yeah, because it's already it's we're already using it, and and I remember growing up, uh, I had family in Mexico, and and one of the the trippiest things was to go down deep into Mexico and take a shower using a bucket um, to flush the toilet and using a bucket if you even had a toilet, that sort of stuff. Uh, the recycling methods are already in place. I I love seeing things like uh. I saw how the Japanese have a um, uh, where you wash your hands right over the toilet so the water gets recycled, goes back into the toilet. Some of these things that people already have been implementing, we're not really implementing here in the U.S. What's that pushback that you're getting? What's the holdup for this being more mainstream than it is today? Right. I say there is pushback. Uh, you know, for example, uh, 20, 20, 25 years ago, Australia um did a huge uh what they call gray water project because they had a big drought and that is where all your um shower water your, your washing machine dishwasher water gets collected filtered and reused for the same purpose and it worked out well but here's the problem in order to do that you have to have separate pipes right they're called purple pipes and these purple pipes because how do you you're gonna have to divert the water from those sources so you got to do some plumbing. And we're just not into it. At the residential level, we're just not doing it. I'm, I'm in a brand new development here. It was, it was, um, it was uh, launched in November 2021. We don't have purple pipes. It's brand new. People are building buildings right now that are not equipped for gray water recycling. Better, and this is why we said, you know what, let's focus on the 90%. Industry and agriculture, they're into it. They have big water bills. They have... You know, one of the problems we have in water is that the water rates are going sky high. A lot of people are having trouble paying their bills and water. And so that's true of business as well. So they get a contract where that's the, 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 water, the rate increases are, excuse me, are limited and, and stated up front. Secondly, as I said, they get to recycle. And thirdly, they don't get bothered as much by the city. They do their own thing. As long as they maintain standards, everything's fine. That's very attractive these days. All right. Well, we're getting low on time. So I want to make sure um, that if you, you basically get to talk to the people who you are targeting. So if people want to reach out to you, who, who's this ideal person that you want to talk to? And what's the best way to get in contact with you if they're looking to do something like this? Well, the um, we have no problem with getting clients. We, we have them coming in in droves. But I mentioned that, you know, there's a way for these these businesses to get help with their uh, capital costs, right? The upfront cost. Well, what we do is we have investors for that. People can invest in water equipment. It's called water on demand. And through that process, they end up getting royalties, which is basically a piece of the a piece of the pie, piece of the income forever, for as long as that, that fund exists. And they get a piece of our company. So uh, if people are interested in uh, getting um, royal, you know, royalty, ongoing income, from water, they should go to invest at originclear.com and we'll be happy to discuss it. It's exciting. 
Yeah. I mean, think about that, ladies and gentlemen, as an investment opportunity. I don't know about you guys, but the, the lifetime value of a client is always big. And for a client to be able to get paid continuously on the water usage, that is never going to go away. I, it sounds like it's a pretty good investment. What's that, uh, what's that investment like? I'm, I know that usually investments like this are, are uh, geared towards accredited investors or specific criteria. What's that process like? Well, um, we, you're right that a lot of our fundraising has been with accredited investors that have to make at least $200,000 a year. But we also have these crowdfunding programs. We just finished one. We're, we'll start another one in the fall. What I suggest people do, they go to originclear.com and just sign up for my weekly briefings every Thursday night. They get to hear all these exciting things and um, you know, crazy. I, I, I comment on all kinds of crazy things, including you know, uh, energy inflation in Europe, whatever, but it's fun. And uh, I don't know why I do that because it's got nothing to do with water, but it does relate to inflation, which as you know, is in many ways out of control in Europe. And so that relates back to why people need to invest in something that is inflation capped. Um, and so the point I'm making is come to my site, register for the briefings, get on our list, and then you'll be hearing about if you're not accredited, you'll hear about opportunities to invest a small amount of money in something really exciting. And that's awesome because uh, uh, some investments don't have a nice return. The ability to have a royalty is huge. So Riggs, thank you very much for coming on the program. Ladies and gentlemen, look, that's what it comes down to. You want to have clean water. You want to have water usage in a recycled manner. And you'd like to make some money off that. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes a drip could be annoying, but if that drip is coming in a royalty, you're going to absolutely love it. So make sure you guys go to originclear.com, originclear.com, check it out, sign up for the newsletter. And that way you're aware and you're in the now of different investments that you can take advantage of, uh, that you can take advantage that are royalty paying. So make sure you guys check that out one more time, originclear.com. Riggs, thank you very much for being on the program. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace. And we're out. It's over. Go home. Is your business in need of marketing? Try starting a podcast. But not just any podcast. Podcast like a pro. We can show you how to take your business from being invisible to becoming a brand people trust. Go to www.businessbros.biz to get started today. Business.